But, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't believe how many athletes come down to my facility and try to skip the warm-up. Yeah. Because it sucks. It's the hardest part of the whole workout. You know what I mean? But I'm like, if you do that stuff consistently over years, like, it's almost like putting money in the bank. You're going to be a rich man someday. You know what I mean? Like, your body will thank you for putting in that type of work. The grip work, you know, the flexibility, the mobility the crawling, the rolling, you know, the core work, all that stuff. It's all just to do a little bit of it, but you do it every day yep. and it really and it really pays off. You know what I mean? I love that you just said it's like a investment because I call it like a compound interest account. Like you're just paying into this account that just keeps building, keeps building, keeps building. And maybe you tap into it. Maybe you don't even know you're tapping into it. You know, ho- most sure. of the stuff we're hoping we aren't even aware that we're avoiding. That was Jeremy Frisch and Dr. Tommy John speaking on the importance of movement training in a holistic performance training system. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, Simply Faster. There are a lot of sports technology companies out there, but Simply Faster is the only website you can go to that features an online store that covers the bandwidth of training technology, from force plates to timing systems to muscle simulators and more. Some products of Simply Faster that I use and love include things like the free lap timing system in KBox or coaches' favorites such as GymAware. Recently, Simply Faster has added two units that as a coach, you should definitely take a look at. The first is the Muscle Lab Contact Grid which is an extremely affordable and portable step-by-step, literally, system to collect data on jumps, bounds, sprints, agility, hurdle hops, and really as much as your creative mind can imagine. In what used to take a whole runway worth of of data collecting strips, the contact grid does it all with only two small strips that together cover up to 40 meters of sprinting. Ground contact time, step rates, rhythms, and beyond are at your fingertips with this device. Another new unit, the VO2 Master, is an ultra-portable gas exchange analyzer. Don't guess on energy system development when you can get direct insight into VO2 capabilities in relation to specific sports skills, rather than uh, being hooked up to tubes on a treadmill or worse yet, a cycle ergometer to get a VO2 Max. Think of the VO2 Master as your own gas exchange lab without the tubes and wires. Deepen your analysis in the specific conditioning preparation of your athletes with the VO2 Master today. These products and incredible customer service make Simply Faster your go-to for your sports technology needs. I'm happy to have partnered with them in sponsoring this podcast. Their support has been tremendous, so check them out today at simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. Welcome to episode 165 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith, and we have got a special episode for y'all today. Uh, we, it's not the first time I've done like a little roundtable, more than one guest, but Today's um, episode, for one, I have a killer co-host in Dr. Tommy John. We shot this episode from his office in, where's your office at, Tommy? It's in San Diego, California. Yeah, I was going to say Encinitas, but I guess you say San, <laughs> San Diego, like general, right? Like, right. Uh, so yeah, our, but I guess we Skyped in Jeremy Frisch back on the show. Jeremy is an absolute legend, rock star. And so I just wanted like to ask you, Tommy, a little bit, or maybe fill us in on some work, but a little more insight on this show particularly, why, why this fusion is going to be special today. 
Well, I think Jeremy's got a lot to offer that's that's rare when it comes to all of us involved in the performance of the human athlete. Jeremy is is the triple threat. He's a three-headed monster. Um, he's got he's a father of four kids, I believe. He's also a sports coach. So he's coached the skills and team aspects of many sports. And then he also runs Achieve Performance in Clinton, Massachusetts, which is training kids from as young as I think he's got like six, seven-year-olds all the way up to um, elderly. And, and so he he has so much to bring and so much experience and he's so well-read and he's so just, he puts it a certain way that makes it, it's almost playful how he speaks about how we should train. And so I think with him, me and you and all of us uh, combined. I just thought it was going to be a real special dialogue between the three of us, and I can't wait for everybody to hear this. Yeah, same here. And uh, we'll leave it the, with this before we get to the show. Is one of the reasons, and and as we, you know, Tommy and I were talking about the topics, like just bringing everything in that, like it's all circular. Like whether you're training, uh, you're working, you're working with kids in sports, or you're working with college athletes or adults. The more um, the more corners of the field you know and are familiar with, the better you see the whole picture. And so, I just it, if you're like a college strength coach and you don't work with with kids that much, or you don't have kids, this episode is still completely and highly relevant because we're going to go into things like what does Jeremy get out of being a sport coach that he takes into a physical prep, or vice versa, or being a sports dad. And it it all comes back. It's all it, this whole thing works together. This whole thing is a lot greater than just a few sets and reps and exercises and things that you do to jump a little higher, run a little faster. Uh, it's it's this whole thing is much greater than that. That's why we do the podcast. And so, just thrilled to have this episode for you guys today. Um, let's get onto the show. Let's go. I don't know what's what's new over there. That's crazy. Some something's dumb with the Patriots, or I don't know what what's going on over there. <laughs> Just winning. We'll just be winning. It's kind of boring. We just win <laughs> Super Bowls. Just be winning. Tom Brady's back. You know, it's just it's all we got. So he's <laughs> funny. That's all you got. You know, I was, <laughs> in Clinton, I played, Massachusetts. <laughs> I played football. I, I played sports growing up. That's the only sport I watch. I don't watch anything else. I hardly ever watch any sports ever, except if it's like youth sports. You know what I mean? But football is like the, the Patriots is like the one thing I watch. That's it. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So what are like, I mean, differences between watching, I mean, when I watch sports now, just FYI, like, I don't really watch like the teamwork or the play. I watch how people move, <laughs> you know, like, I usually like, I like to pick one athlete and you know, see how they move and stuff like that. I mean, what are, um, like, like in watching children move or watching, um, you know, watching, a, I mean, has your perception on watching adults change and watching pro sports since working with kids so much? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, it's almost like, once you start to look at those things, like you can't ever not yeah. watch that stuff. Like you watch how they walk and how they run and how their arms move. And you're like, ah, uh, you know, you're sitting there like critiquing and, and coming up with ways to trying to figure out why they do it. Those things that way. Interestingly though, like when you watch um really young kids, like five, four, five, six, before they actually get in school and school screws them up, they move really efficiently. Like freaking. I wa- I've seen six-year-olds come out of the blocks of like a like a like a Hershey's you know track and field meet, and the kids look amazing, right? But then fast forward three years, and they've been sitting in school for the last you know first, second, and third grade, and then on top of that, you know, playing one sport or you know not doing anything much, and you know outside of that, and and they don't look so efficient anymore. 
and yeah. probably a little growth spurt in there as well. So yeah. it's amazing to see how efficient kids are and then how inefficient they get or inefficient they get as they get a little bit older and school really s- screws them up. Totally. And it's interesting you said that all the books you always suggest to me or that you'll just suggest on social media and, and everybody goes bonkers over my list. I'm like, no, it's, it's Jeremy Frisch's list. But uh, <laughs> it's like Sally Bly's stuff, right? Like the ABC's Attention Balance Coordination like some or How to Raise a Toddler by uh, Tova Klein, I think her name, or Angela Hanscoman, all this. Like I'm fascinated reading those things because I'll, I'll see an injured adult almost be like a developing toddler. You know what I mean? Like sure. I'll see some of those parallels and I'll end up learning so much about the child through the injured adult or, and I, I always say injured. It's a very interesting word because they may not be feeling something, but they're totally injured. (laughs) Like they're just discombobulated, totally disconnected, not coordinated, just haven't moved, haven't done. But then on the flip side, like what you were saying, the ones that move well, or they come in griping about something, or there's some athlete that's, that's on the later end of his career or her career they're very good mover. They have this amazing base. And then I come to find out they sampled a bunch of sports. They most more than likely, sadly, were homeschooled. So they stayed out of the school system, you know, sadly, but we talked about it, right? And if they did have an issue, they didn't go get help necessarily. They tried to like almost like a kid would like figure it out. Like they try to like figure out the problem and stayed with themselves and totally connected. Where I feel like the culture now is like if something's wrong, like immediately go to YouTube and, and get it fixed or go to a specialist and get it fixed or go to a – but um, I, I feel like there's a huge, huge connection between the better movers having the less – like the less guidance. Do, do you know what I mean? Or, sure. or they, they were challenged more early on. Well, even like when we were kids, right? What did we do? We got hurt. Like as quickly as we could, we came out – we went back outside to try to play. right. You know what I mean? Like we just did it. We just na- like we kind of took it. Maybe our parents made us sit sit in for a day or whatever. But like as quick as we could, we tried to get back outside doing stuff. It was like for it was almost like intuitively we knew that move moving around again makes you heal. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And now it's like I mean even my own kid. It's my own kids. Like you're like oh they get hurt and then you know something hurts and like we're off to the friggin' emergency room or the doc or the pediatrician. It's like, Oh, and, and then they're like, rest it for a month, which to everybody else means don't do anything for a month. And it's like, wait, wait a second. You got to rehab from doing nothing for a month. And Oh my gosh. But instinctively the kid's like, no, nah, I want to, and there's just, there's a lot to that. Um, I think that yeah. we can bridge, you know, my 10 uh, year old, you know, he got hurt. He's playing football and he, put his hand out and the kid ran by and so he got a little like a uh, little fracture on his thumb so he's got a cast on his thumb nice but like freaking all week he's swinging from bar to bar <laughs> catching it with his fingers you know what i mean and i'm like well if it doesn't hurt him and it, and you know he's probably helping re- helping the thumb recover because there's obviously some muscular contraction in there and blood flow it's probably helping him recover you know what i mean so he's like swinging from bar to bar across the the rig that we have at the gym, and it's like my wife's like, "Is he going to be all right?" And I'm like, "Well, if he's not hurting and he's happy, let him go." You know he, what I mean? He would intuitively know. That's awesome, dude. On that note, I had a kid, a high school kid. He broke his hand punching somebody who was attacking his friend. Okay, so he had boxer's fracture. Stepping in. Okay, well, he had like one of those half casts or soft casts or whatever they call them, and and he was rested. 
uh, couldn't really do much with it for four weeks. That's what they wanted. Okay, so we trained everything else. I mean, full body, elbows, shoulders, heat got after it. Dude, calf came, or cast came off. We have that little dynamometer in my office, you know, like the grip strength. His grip strength improved 13 pounds, and he was already at a very, very high level holding the office record for his age group. So I said, dude, you broke your hand and were in a cast, came out 13 pounds stronger than you did going into it. Tell that to your doctor and your follow-up. So he did. And what would the ortho say? And I, I, I called it, and I kept it under wraps. You're a fast healer. That was it. Like, that was it. Not even like, what else could I do for my other patients? Like, what did you do? This is crazy. We trained the other 98% of his body or moved the other 98% of his body. That's hilarious. It's awesome. So you guys know Ken Leesner, Dr. Ken. Do you know Dr. Ken? So he's like a, he was like this uh, chiropractor uh, that used to write a lot for um, this magazine called Milo. Okay. It's like a journal of strength training. And he was like a pretty popular guy for like back in the, he had a gym from New York city. Like he was like a welder an iron worker and then he owned a gym and he was a power lifter and he's written these articles. So he has this thing called life in the loft. And it was just, it's like these articles about him growing up and what he did. He like kind of intertwines a story with what he did in the gym at the time. Okay. He, the guy just passed away uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, probably two months ago, but you know, there's like a huge, he has a huge following. Um, and anyways, he wrote an article where he broke his arm because he was a bouncer in a bar, right. he broke his arm and all he could do was squat three times a week for like six weeks. And same thing when he got done squatting that much, you know, when they took the cast off his arm, his arm had more muscle on it than when he started. <laughs> Dang. That's crazy. He squatted, you know, he did like 20 rep breathing squats and oh, you sure. know, he was one of those. He was like one of those like uh, hit guys where they just like went all out for one, you know, one set all <laughs> yeah. out to death. But he would do it like three times a week. Um, and they, and then in the article, he even talked about how his arm was stronger when he fit when he got the cast off than be- than he was before, just from you know getting after a total body. Yeah, it was like that with me so, um, when I was doing high jump and I was doing a little bit high, like higher powered stuff in the, like the plyometric realm and the squat rack before I like had Achilles issues and things like that. I could. I strict curled like for, well, this is good for me was I strict curled 135 when I was like 26 and I didn't even do arm curls ever. It was just Feels so good. you know and I don't have that big of arms either. It was just everything else, you know, and like if and now I can't even come close. Some you know my lifts are really, you know, just, it's not something I work on as much anymore in the same way as I used to and it it's amazing how it all ties together. Sure. Um Joel, I've, you know, I've been dying to talk to you too because you've been talking a lot of your podcasts about the foot and, and how it works and things like that. And I can't tell you sort of ever since I started, you know, I was listening to you, I still really started like just paying attention to feet more, especially with the, the kids coming in. And I had, I had it happen to have a group like earlier this week and it was three kids and all three kids had issues with their feet. You know what I mean? Like flat footed, just you know, you watch them try to balance on one foot. We do a simple warm up where we have to balance on one foot and touch the bed balls to the ground and bring it overhead. And like kids just falling over where you watch them try to hop sideways or forward. And like the, just the, the lower legs just doing all kinds of funky stuff. Hmm. I was like, just, and I, and I know you've been talking about it a lot. It's just, it's blown away that I, that's, a, that's another huge part that's neglected 
And I don't think children, I think maybe because we probably ran around a lot barefoot, we climbed a lot of things, you know, we, and I just don't think because the kids do that stuff anymore and they're in their soft, cushy shoes too. You know what I mean? But I, you can see it right from the bottom up. It's just not as efficient as it should be. Yeah. Tommy put me through the ringer today. Um, <laughs> and uh, he had me doing uh, five minutes of like uh, all barefoot, obviously, like see these single leg RDLs, just like what was it, five pounds? Yeah. So, and my, my, my right leg is the one that historically has had like Achilles problems. I don't run as much as I used to, like the volumes are a lot lower and about two minutes in my right arch, my right foot is just on on fire, like just on fire. And it, um, that high rep stuff really lets you know really quick where you've lost it. You know, if I would have done that when I was 18, I've been like, all right, can I do another five minutes? And that's probably like, it's, it's amazing how I, uh, how that pathway for me has degenerated over time. But that, the, that high rep thing, even though we, the way we think about high reps and obviously Tommy could speak more to that, but like, uh, it was what I needed today. So that was, uh, it was good to get some of those innate abilities back there. And I'm obsessed with that because Jared, just like you saw, I, the majority of the young athletes coming in, their their feet are just shot. They're they're shot to hell, yep. which then means hips are going to be shot. Like something's connected to right, your hips are working through your feet. If your feet are off, your hips are going to be off, and then your your opposite shoulders are going to be like, oh my god, the window going into the body that comes through the foot, ankle, calf, and like the first test right. I do is that same thing. Your warm up is standing on one leg. They can't do it one and then their feet are on fire like right away and it's it's a majority of the kids coming in injuries not injured coordinated not core like it, it is just a holy crap aha i have to reach out across the nation like are you guys seeing this like what's going on like it didn't used to be this way you know what i mean and and there's a lot of factors going in with the shoes with the you know no more getting outside and just just going so i try to recreate that environment in here um, but the adult is, is similar. Like we need that same connection only I got to, and this will lead probably to one of your questions, but it's like, you can't coach the kid and the adult the same way, right? Like it's, it's one of those things like the adults, all right, there's no nonsense. They can handle a little more. They can focus a little more kids. They need an objective around possibly play or sure. right? it needs to be, you know, objective based or, or game based, but they don't even know they're doing it. As soon as they walk in, check them, check their spines, adjust them if they need it. After that, shoes off in the corner. Done. Yeah. So hey, for, yeah. So let's get to this first question though, uh, and we've kind of talked about it already. But like this idea between uh, commonalities and differences between training adults and children. Um, a lot, lately, I've been focusing on a lot of the commonalities, like in the sense yep. of I think people who are in who have their forebrain on too much. There's too many co contractions. Movements too rigid. Everything's controlled and. That I think that typical idea of oh, just overcoaching people and turning people into robots um, versus I think the the ability of adults obviously to handle more instruction than children and the need to advance things a little bit um, and but Jeremy you're I mean I just, I love what you do because you're full spectrum I mean you have the kids who just play it's like you know in organized ways that makes them more athletic and then you train um, older older populations adult and 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 scholastic and all that stuff so. How to, and I'm sure people ask you this all the time, but how does that spectrum unfold? So how do things stay the same? And then how do they change as you move from those, that childhood to that adult population? You know, I think for, and I always say this, like it, to start with a kid, you, when you, the change happens from play to more organized type stuff is when he's ready or she's ready. You know what I mean? Like mostly uh, maturity wise, you know, uh, mentally, you know, or spiritually or, or, uh, 
you know, um, not so much physically because I've had kids who are just studs physically and they're the most immature kids in the whole, you know, sort of pull them back. Cause if I give them too much and I try to organize things too much, they shut down and they, you know, they don't come back. Um, whereas I've had other kids who are extremely mature and they might be younger and not physically there, but still I can, I can, uh, come up with ways to, to get them caught up physically. Um, and so, but they'll start more, they'll start organized training a little bit earlier. You know what I mean? So, um, I don't think once they get into organized training, I don't think there's a huge difference between what they do. Uh, and the younger kids, I think probably the biggest thing you'll see with younger athletes, say 11, 12, 13, you know, going to 14, 15 is that it's more technical based, right? Whereas like my 17, 18, 19 year old kids are cleaning, you know, we're cleaning, we're, we're throwing weights around, we're squatting heavier. We're trying to put on, put more weight on the bar. Whereas the younger kids, I'm really trying to, you know, create a more technically proficient athlete before we get to that point later on. So, but I think, I think for me, in my case, I definitely start to load kids as far as like strictly like strength training later than, you know, I know there's a lot of research out there that says like, oh, kids can, can absolutely strength train and, and that's great. I, I think it's awesome. But if that kid's not ready, you know, upstairs mentally and, they're, and it's not engaging for him or her, then it's never going to stick. You know what I mean? So I sort of try to make their environment to training as fun as possible and engaging as possible for as long as I can. Um, until they're ready not to get too uh, technical what do you mean by the technical stuff for like that middle school through 13 14 what what type of technical stuff are you talking about as far as strength training you know that's where we start to get a bar on maybe maybe i'll i'll teach them how to front squat or or hang clean or snatch or uh you know anything like that i want to just see them do do it really well rather than try to put weight on the bar you know we'll just we'll, we might stick to the same weight for a long long time and just maybe inch up in reps over time, something like that. And I just to make sure that they can handle, you know, handle the, 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 you know, the technique and not break down as, as uh, the reps go up higher before we actually load the weight. So simple stuff like that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. Kind of like that Eastern European model where they, what they, the 14 year old lifters, they were fixed at like one time their body weight or whatever it was, or 0.8. And it yep. was like a technique. Ju- the judging was the technique, not the, not the weight. Yep. There's a really great book too. There's a there's a big section on uh on that type of stuff in um. It's like uh, the East German textbook of athletics. It's like uh, it's like uh, what the heck is it called? Um, there's a section in that book. It's like a green book. It's you know the it was a track and field book, but in there it basically talks about like training children and how they kept them at like a fixed weight, and they either went for a certain amount of reps or they would move the weight uh, in a certain amount of time. Right. And rather than just focus on, um, just focus on putting more weight on the bar. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, yeah, I love that. I love that time. Yeah. Like reps and time, you know, and I, and and two, like it depends on the athlete, but we might have an hour session and 45 minutes of it is still like crawling and med ball work and maybe isometrics and 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 maybe some sprints where we chase each other and or resisted runs like we might do 45 minutes of like movement type stuff right and then there might be like just 15 10 minutes of strength you know because that's all they can handle yeah it's you know anything that that they'll sort of i'll sort of lose them 
You know I, what I mean? I love that model though. Um, that's yeah. That's very similar to what my buddy Paul Cater does at Alpha Project Salinas. The first like forty five just movement stuff, and then that smaller dose of the heavy heavy work. Yeah, because right if the if the strength training is really not that intense yet, right? You're not going to get a huge training effect. But I think I can get a good training effect via movement. Right. Right. I can I get a ton. I can get. I can do. Uh, I can make the kids hang on a bar. I can do iso lunges. I can do little circuits where we do like, you know, crawling and rolling and medicine ball throws and things like that. So, I mean, you can make that 45 minutes really friggin' difficult if yeah. you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, Tommy and made then, it hard for me to answer, yeah. damn sure. It was like a warm up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I wrote, it's so funny. Like, I wrote a warm up article not too long ago for Simply Faster. And, like, there's sections of that thing that, like, our college football guys like try to skip all the time because they don't want to do it. You know what I mean? And like that's a new that's the new uh that's the new thing down the gym now we say that uh warm ups are for champions. If you don't if you don't have the champions mindset, if you skip in your warm ups, you don't have the champions mindset. And I got it into like all my middle school kids. And so now when they come in they like they pull out everything all that they pull up the hurdles to do step overs and duck unders and med balls and they got the PVC pipes out and they're like you know, coach, give me that. Uh, I want to be a champion. So it's like now I'm like totally brainwashing them. It's great. <laughs> Hell yeah. But I mean, yeah, you wouldn't believe how many athletes come down to my facility and try to skip the warm up. Yeah. Because it sucks. It's the hardest part of the whole workout. You know what I mean? But I'm like, if you do that stuff consistently over years, like, it's almost like putting money in the bank. You're going to be a rich man someday. You know what I mean? Like your body will thank you for putting in that type of work. The grip work, you know, the flexibility, the mobility, the crawling, the rolling, you know, the core work, all that stuff. It's all used to do a little bit of it, but you do it every day yep. and it really and it really pays off. You know what I mean? You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast brought to you by Simply Faster. I love that you just said it's like a investment because I call it like a compound interest account. Like you're just paying into this account that just keeps building, keeps building, keeps building. And maybe you tap into it. Maybe you don't even know you're tapping into it. You know, ho- most sure. of the stuff we're hoping we aren't even aware that we're avoiding. Right. Like we don't right. know till you, like, it's either taken from you or you're hanging around with a bunch of other non-movers. And you're like, oh right. my God. Like, wait, you you just fell down the stairs. Like you're 20, <laughs> you know, or, or my you, you're tired after we've walked from the parking lot to the start of the trail. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. But uh, you touched on a huge note that I'm obsessive in here. And even Vladimir, my colleague and really good friend, he's just like, dude, your level of consistency is, it's almost insane. And I think that's almost what we got to be like, right? Like a baby's consistency to try to gain whatever they're going to their next step is, is maniacal. And it's almost like a, pr- yeah. like it looks uh, appears to be a problem like tj you're weird i'm like am i you know i'm just yeah. i don't know like i'm so passionate about where i want to get i don't know i think you're weird for you know worrying about the electric porsche coming out and you're gonna put a down payment on it and you're obsessing about checking your accounts you know and teenagers teenagers you know just by their very nature will seek the easiest path right most of them you know what i mean so me being the nice guy that i am i need to guide them in the right direction and make sure that they do those those things. You know what I mean? Right. So, and you know what too? For just in my case, like I'm more of a 
I'm a creative guy. Like I come, I like to come up with different ways to do things and, you know, different, different like sort of sequences and how we do the exercises and stuff. So I totally just love like sitting there trying to figure out, all right, what do we do next? What should we do next? How does this link into this? How does this go to here? How, you know, so how, what can we take out to do all those things? So I love that too. You know what I mean? And I watch, I, I sit there and I really pay attention to how they're doing it. Oh, are they getting too tired on this? Oh, is they struggling with this? And I try to take a mental note and try to see what, like, you know, you start to see commonalities between athletes and it's because, because they're all not, they're all doing the same things or not doing the same things, right? They're all sitting around too much and mm-hmm. not probably getting enough extra work in. So it's like, you start to see what works and what doesn't work. And, and so, and then you can kind of take a mental note and be like, all right, well, next time we do a warm up, we're going to add these things. You know what I mean? So I'm a huge fan of like, too, like, uh, the hurdles, like the step out, like, the classic like step over duck under hurdles, things like that. And then this summer we've really taken it a kind of a step further where we approach stepping under the hurdles by from different angles and things like that, just to like try to change how we do things, like really go under slowly, pause at the bottom, turn our feet at the bottom. When we step over, you know, when we're standing on one foot, let's pause and then step, let's step back, you know, just different sequences to really force the kids like to think and stop and and have to like hold different positions and things like that. It's, and it's a lot of fun. It's fun. You know, breaks, obviously breaks up the monotony for me. So we're just not doing like a a skips over the hurdles every day. (laughs) Yeah. The mindless, your typical, and that's where you said before, like the warm up is hard and Tommy's warm ups are hard, but a a lot of warm ups aren't hard because they're mindless. Like you said, it's just kind of a skips over hurdle, like easy, not really focused. Like what you said, you put pauses in there. You make people be mindful of what they're doing. You're, you're, putting intentional things to put some intentionality and difficulty and just not being the same, I guess you could say, as you, you came in before. You, there's something that's got to change or be overloaded or make harder or more intentional. Yep, yep. I got a, I think it's from Evo Sport, one of their, uh, their warm-ups. It was like an ISO lunge and you had to like drop and catch a one-pound weight like forward and sideways, and, but you had to like hold a lunge while you did it for 30 <laughs> seconds in each position. And like, dude, that thing, when I do it, I'm sweating in like 15 seconds, like just trying to trade on holding the lunge and then snapping my hand down, trying to like right. grab that one, one pound dumbbell. It's hysterical. That's you know, the next have, Instagram challenge. Have, right. What are we yeah. going to call it? <laughs> you have to be over 30, 35 or 40 to, for it to count though. Right. Of course. So yeah, it's, it's awesome stuff. I love when I try to have the kids do it and it's like, they're just, they're blown away that they can't like catch the dumbbell on its way down. They just literally, they can't do it. Right. And it's one pound. It's like a toothpick. One pound. Yeah. My son does it with a PVC because he's just not there yet. <laughs> right. But he, he's right. Doing it, you know? So, yeah, it's funny. But I, I swear I could, I could probably take a lot of athletes um, and not even attempt to like lift weights till they're like later in their teens and just do warm up type stuff and yeah. body weight things. And they would be probably better off. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially from a long-term development perspective, like the years to come, like giving them something to build on, you know? Yeah, I know that, you know, we are, it's great. Like there is research on strength strength training for children is good for them. But like what's strength training? I mean, there's so many different ways to, to find it. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be with a bar. You know, there's so many different ways to, to, to get stronger. So that's why I love like gymnastics. I love parkour. Yeah. I love Ninja Warrior. I think I think. In Ninja Warrior's case, you uh, it's a little bit upper body biased, and so you better be pretty light 
if you're going to be good at it. Totally. You have to be able to hold on. But like a little bit of that, a little bit of gymnastics, a little bit of parkour, some judo or martial arts, you know, any of that type of stuff. It's just freaking awesome for kids. And it's like, you know, talk about like tapping into like vestibular, tactile, like every sense you're just going to tap into. You know what I mean? So, and obviously wrestling, especially with your brother <laughs> or your or like friend. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I, I'm not sure if I've said this on a previous pa- podcast, but I spent some time at the Olympic Training Center uh, this past, the U.S. Olympic Training Center this past January, and I think it was the women's wrestling team that came in, and they, from the lightest weight to the heaviest weight, just all cranking out pull-ups, just machines, and I was oh. like, that isometric strength you get for the thousands of reps, right, like like me and Tommy were just talking about or at our workout today and stuff like that, like it's just, it works its way into the system. You made yep. a good. You made 100%. a good point. You said, uh, and it's. I noticed a trend to the people that don't mind the forty-five, fifty-minute. You know, call it a warm-up or call it, it's all part of the workout, right? Like all of it, they, they like thrive on it. They're like, all right, what else? Um, they have a martial arts background, and they're like, mm-hmm. and, and not the American, you know, popping bubbles, eating rice krispie treats, <laughs> martial arts, but like actual the discipline that's fairly pure, um, principled. They're like, oh, we've been doing this, you know, for years. And that's like the majority of their discipline would be movement-based. And then they would go through the specific technical aspects of whatever discipline you're doing. But I thought it was fascinating. Yep. And you were like gymnastics. I say gymnastics, martial arts, oh. and then, I don't know, something you know, else. But you can go a long way with those two. Those people, like gym, gymnasts, yeah. when a gymnast calls you to train them, I have the hardest time. Because you can't, like make them tired right <laughs> like i they're just their work capacity is always so good you know it's so high right even like former gymnasts they come in and they everything's friggin' easy for them everything it's crazy i every gymnast i've ever worked with like it never lasted long because i felt like i never challenged them enough right you know what i mean right it, it was like it's, it's crazy it's like a former gymnast is got a work capacity that's through the roof but their body is beat up from the sport that they played so you got to be careful you can't just start up like chuck a bar on their back and ask them to start squat you know what i mean so it's a tricky it's a tricky little uh sort of um sort of thing to train a person like that Mm because they'll they'll work all day you know what i mean my my daughter does gymnastics and i walk in there and watch and she's eight and i'm fascinated by the amount of work that they do nice fascinated you know what i mean so yeah Tommy, what are some of your talk about your warm up process a little bit that you do for your athletes? So I have a little routine. We'll do like some calf jumps just to get fluid going, get everything popping, um, and almost like a feel it out, like as aggressive as you want to go, as stiff legged as you want to go. Um, sure. Thirty seconds there. One of my six spine moves of the spinal hygiene. They got to do twenty, starting at the neck. So we'll go neck. 20 moves, just taking like rotations, neck rotations, 10 squats, five push-ups. If you can't do a five push-up, like five second lowering of a push-up, right? And they're like, what kind of squat? I don't know. Like whatever a squat means to you, you know, just, just do the action of a squat. I don't know. Figure it out. And then 30 second right. calf jump again, 20 spine moves, 10 squats, five push-ups of some kind. Um, and we'll rotate through. So by the end of it, you've got three minutes of calf jumps, 120 spine moves, gnarly. Yep. You've got 60 squats and you've done 50 push-ups. If that, that's pretty damn good. And that's like the first, 
like handshake. Like literally, it's just like, hey, welcome to here. <laughs> here we go. And they'll get through that. And then we'll go into, you know, 1,200 hip circles or some sort of single leg something. But honestly, and we've touched upon these points, dude, the consistency of that alone is so groundbreaking for their long-term everything. Like the athleticism, their ability to bounce back, their ability to process discomfort, like like just to process their, their discomfort threshold just raised from what they walked in on, just from that. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's why they, they stopped going like this again. It's almost like they're – it's almost like I swear when they move their spine, their brain freaks out and they love it. And they don't know they love it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's like when you grab a bar for the first time and like hang. Like, you know, first thing in the morning I get down to the gym, I just jump up and hang from the bar. Right? It's like it's like electric shock through your body. Oh, literally. Right. Yeah, I right. do that between teams or or like if I'm taking a break from writing programs or something in the morning. Like I just go over to the bar and just hang for a little while. It's just like second nature at this point. The greatest thing in the world. It really is. It's so awesome. It's like, you know what I do too? I get on the, uh, just like a PVC pipe and I'll like extend, go into like extension of my back and let that thing dig in. And then I go right over to like the mat and I do like 20 like back shoulder rolls. And like my back goes from like flexion to extension and back and forth. And like I get up, I just feel like, oh, it's you're insane. awesome. You know what I've been doing, been doing too lately? I've been doing like, um, I've been reading about, I was reading about the vestibular system and, you know how in adults the, the the fluid inside the inner ear is like more less viscous than a child so it takes a little bit longer to like being upside down to get that fluid to move around so i just came up with this idea i'm like screw it i'm gonna start doing like handstand isos so i like get up on a wall and i just hold i do five rounds of one minute just iso handstand and you know not only do i feel great you know at the first round it's like kind of a rush to your head but not only do I like feel better when I get up, I mean, dude, my shoulders are just pumped, pumped. You know what I mean? Triceps is just great. It's great. I love it. So, and I try to do that like three times a week. I'll do that and I'll pair those with some ring work where you do like um, skin the cats and like stuff like that where you kind of flip your whole body over on the rings and oh, kind wow. of come back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Different, yeah. different types of chin ups and stuff on the rings. And man, it's just like talk about waking you up. This is it's insane. So, one hundred percent. That's like my type of, of warm up, I guess that I do at my <laughs> my old age. That's the, that's uh, Jeremy Frisch's uh, mind hack. Mind hacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I go to try to do a little bit of writing. So that's always a long process, though. I'll try. I'll try to do some skin the cats before I sit down again. I think that's a good idea. Pretty good idea. Things. But rings, uh, I I don't know if I can ever go without a set of rings ever again, because I use them, you know, so much just to like hang on and twist and flip over, and the, obviously the kids freaking love them. Right. So has you have you being a sports parent, like your your kids in gymnastics, things like that? Do you find yourself watching their practice and be like, oh, I'm going to put that in my you know training program and things like that often? Yeah, usually I'm coaching their teams, so I'm like the the head coach. So oh. I yeah, uh, if I'm <laughs> Like I'm like tomorrow I got we got a football game I got to coach that and then uh, I I up until last year I coached their basketball and then I coached their baseball this summer so I'm like you know I'm always trying to figure out ways like how can we add in the athletic side of a practice 
uh, with like the skill work that I know that we need to get done. You know what I mean? So it's always kind of a, you know, it's what football I think is easier where we can do like fundamental movement skills in a warm up and, and, you know, do to, you can even do different types of wrestling and grappling that we do in a practice. Like football is a little bit different, but like, I feel like baseball, we have a harder time um, just because like, we got to get these kids to learn how to throw. You know, so we do have to do a little bit of, got to do a little bit of throwing because it's like, you know, they're not all thrown with their dads or their, their brothers and sisters, which is, that's, that's like literally our first meeting. That's what we talk about. Yeah. Or dodgeball got when banned you, from their school. <laughs> yeah. We're not doing that either. Cause it's illegal, but yeah, you like, can't, when yeah. you go home, play catch with your parents, play catch with your parents. If they're not around, ask your brother, ask your neighbor, or just throw it as far as you can in your yard and run to it and throw it the Done. other way. Awesome. Like that right there. Yeah. Or maybe you have a dog. <laughs> That's like last, last, uh, last chance. I got a lap soccer. He'll retrieve all day. I'll just launch the ball down the street. You know what I mean? So, but, but, um, but that's what, as a coach, as youth sports coach, I'm always trying to figure out like, how can we get the more athletic stuff into our, our, uh, our practices? And usually what I do is I'll take like 10 minutes right at the beginning and we'll do some like, depending on the age too. If I have like little six year olds, we're not doing anything except playing tag. But you know, the older kids, like my, my eighth graders right now, this first 20 minutes of our warm up for football practice every day is fundamental movement skills. So we go through a series of like skips, shuffles, back pedals, you know, different types of like, uh, run and run and roll. Or, you know, we might do uh, some forward rolls or shoulder rolls. Uh, we might do some crawling, things like that. And then the next, uh, Five minutes, we do grappling. So we do hand fighting. We do pummeling. Uh, we do push-pull, things like that. We might go two-on-one where two kids try to wrestle like one kid. We might do a drill where like a kid's laying on the ground and the other kid has his arms around him and, and we say go and the kid tries to get up and the other kid has to hold him down and keep him pinned, like just stuff like that. So we do like 10 minutes of that. Um, and then after that, we'll do like tackling drills, but they're non-contact. So we're not hitting each other. We're hitting bags but we're putting them in different situations to hit those bags at full speed and kind of trying to connect the dots. Like, Oh, this is what's happening in the game right now. This is the drill we're going to do with these bags. So you guys are aware of, of that when it happens in the game. So, you know, less contact hitting heads and stuff like that. And then, um, then after that we do speed work. So we'll do sprints from different distances, different stances with long rest. So we have the kids walk back kind of like feed the cats idea. Um, and then, and then after that, that's our kind of warm up for our football. And then we go do football stuff. Outstanding. Yeah. Sounds, so. sounds like there's like, that's one thing I was going to ask you is like elements of play that remain in, in coaching athletes, the older they get. And it sounds like the, that grappling stuff. I mean, that must be play to those kids, you know, like that's just fun, fun. Like, well, you're like, like partner up with your boy, you know what I mean? Get your, get your buddy and, and let's get to work. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's good stuff. And obviously there's a, there's a component there that we need to get kids more physical or get kids used to being more physical and in in each other's personal space. You know what I mean? And if, so if you're going to play a sport like that, you better be comfortable with invading someone else's personal space, which is the exact opposite of what they tell you in school, right? Like don't touch a kid, don't go near a kid, all that stuff. So it's like, you're, you're breaking a rule that they've been taught since they were in kindergarten. I agree. 
How long how long have you been coaching like sports sports sports? Um not for Jerry. I sports so let's see my son's 12, my oldest, so I think I've been at it like 6 years now. Yeah. So basketball, baseball, um football. I even did a I've never played lacrosse in my life. I even coached a season of lacrosse. I coached tennis one season in high school. <laughs> did, did they wrestle? Did so, they grapple? You know, yeah, it was like I had the kids doing all kinds of like crazy exercises. They did that. I was nuts. Outstanding. I had like I had like 40 kids the first day to try out for tennis. And after like the first two days, we were down to like six kids because <laughs> no one wanted to do lunges or push ups anymore. <laughs> That's a good thing you're not so, the golf coach. <laughs> right? I know. It's so funny. <laughs> or maybe so, a bad thing. Mostly, I don't know. Yeah, Depends on how you frame it. Stuff. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Right on. How do you feel like that's probably helped you immensely too? Being coming on the other side of the spectrum, just doing the physical prep stuff too. Actually coaching the sports skill, coming back to being a physical prep coach. Like I just think that stuff is so valuable. Well, you see what like where the limitations are on the kids. You know what I mean? Like you can tell. Like all right, this kid obviously like he's trying real hard at this sport, but he just doesn't have the foundation to, to bring him there. Do you know what I mean? So you can totally see it. That's why that's like, it's even, it's, it's sort of inspired me to do more of what I do. Uh, because like, I know that it's not practice sport more or do one sport more. It's get a foundation and then do the sport, you know, be it, be an athlete first, be a normal functioning human being and, and have coordination and mobility and, and athleticism and, and fair amount of like relative strength. And then that will take you so far when you start to actually learn how to play the sport. You know what I mean? So it, it like people freak out, like parents freak out that their kid's going to fall behind or if like, if they don't start early enough or, or, but the reality is if a kid spends enough time in the early stages of doing the right stuff, when he does enter like the sports arena or the sporting, you know, into, into sports. Yeah. He might be, he might be behind at first, but as years go by, he's going to catch up. He's going to be just as good as those kids. If, He's got the right foundation. He's got the, and he's got the will to practice and put the time in. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's, it's just you got to be patient and you got to not fall for that. Like, oh, uh, you have to do just this all the time. So on that note, and I get that a lot. The the yep. parents being sold the lie that you know, well, probably one your kid's amazing early on. Like that's what they'll kind of sell you on first and. Get into our program, specialize because you have to do this now, or you will be left behind. So a parent is is terrified. Now I'll say, they literally will tell me, okay, if we go that route, when they get to high school, the high school coaches are involved with those programs, whatever those programs are. And I was driving yep. the other day, and I'm like, I just don't know a high school coach that if your kid truly, truly, not you evaluated him as a parent and thought he was amazing or she was amazing, but your kid truly was getting better as an athlete, like doing all the things that you just mentioned, in addition to some of the other things, nourishment and rest and tech abuse, like some, some of those other things that are, that are just as important. And you got to be as good as they could be. And they showed up for a spring practice and just dominated, like, I just don't see a coach. I don't care how in bed he is with some youth program or a travel program. Excuse me. I just don't see right. him not playing. Do you know what I mean? Do you think 
like, am I Is it like the high schools are just whacked out or is it the parents interpretation of what's going on and they've spun it to make a storyline that fits their agenda? Right. It's more the parents. I think okay. that, that they, it's, you know, if a kid shows up and he's a stud, he's going to play for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? like, shows, as long as he's, it's at practice and he follows the rules, the team rules, right. he's playing. The dude, the dude's going to be on the field. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I think it's more. I think it's more the parents. And listen, I understand. Like, so as a parent, I can tell you, too. Like, for example, so my kids play little league. You know, jo- Tommy, you and I had this conversation over you know messenger one night. Yeah. But, you know, they they just they they played little league, right? Both both of them, the older one in particular, had an you know, amazing season, right? And so he's into he's really into baseball. Like he's hitting the ball. He was getting so much better as the games went on and it's, it was almost like the better the competition, the better he played. Right. And then all of a sudden districts gets over, they don't make it to Williamsport. Boom. Baseball's done. Right. But him, part of him wants to keep playing. Yeah. And then because you're a parent, part of you is like, Oh, they're getting so good. Oh, let's go sign up for fall ball and just do baseball all the time. Like there's a, there's sort of a, like, like, Oh, this is so great right now. Let's continue it. Right. Right. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Like there's part of me that felt that way. But luckily, you know, I'm like, no, dude, like it's football season. Let's right. Let's go get football. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not like I'm like, listen, we can go hit balls and we can still do skill work if you want. But we're not going to be in this like competition period where we're like practicing three, four days a week and playing a bunch of games like that's done. You know what I mean? But I, I, I can understand from a parent's point of view. Yeah. Like that draw that like, Oh, you almost get addicted to the sport and the kid does too. And he's getting so much better so fast that you want to stick with it. And you think like, Oh, if he takes this time off and all the other kids keep playing, he's going to be behind. But the reality isn't like you and I both know it's yeah. not true because a kid's just going to, you know, you can take a few months off and come back in. And after a few weeks, he's going to catch right back up, especially if he's a good athlete. Yeah. Good point. You know, it's, it's definitely an addiction. Yeah. I think it's it's almost like universal principles to me. Like it's like the stock market. You know, the stock market you're going to have a bull run. Oh, let's put money in. Put, eventually, that thing's going to come down. It's going to go up and down. Like sure. everything is like that. It's the season. You know, it's the seasons. It's it's not just. And to me, it's like I, I think it's just hard for people to take a step back and realize that unless there's someone else telling them or making that clear. Because because like the stock market or gambling, you, your your consequence comes a lot quicker. You know, it can come a lot faster. But I think it sport just takes. A little bit longer for you to see that, or if you even want to see it too. I think you to be to want to see <laughs> what's what's going on. Taking a close eye is important too. Sure. Yeah. I. It's uh like I, you know, I, I definitely felt it too. And and you as your as a father, of your kid, like they want to keep playing, so you want to make them happy. But you know, at the same time, I'm like, no, like we're we're a multi sport family, and baseball is done. And I, I had a blast too. Like I had as much fun watching them play, but I know that like. It's not it's not a good road to go down to, to just continue to play all year round. And so we just cut it and we're like, it's football season. You know what I mean? I love that so, you use family. You're like, we are a this family. Like it's a family affair to, to do this whole thing. Like that's how you're raising your kids. And as coaches or as parents, we need to hit on that even more. You, you know, that, that the majority of these changes are going to take place within the homes who they're with the most. We can try to make every coach you know, uh, accountable and, and certified and, and have the ideal program and all this. But I just think it, it takes on that note. Do you, 
do you surround yourself like you and your wife with friends that are like minded? Is it well, hard to find people that? Most of them, I'm like, you know, I basically make them listen to me. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's sort of like that. They they sort of, uh, and, but you know, a lot of our friends grew up in the same sort of situation that I did. So okay. like the guys that some of the guys that I hang around with that are like parents of my um, uh, parents of my kids' friends. Like they mostly played multiple sports growing up, anyways. You know what I mean? But so, I, but they they're around me a lot, and they know what I do for a living, and they've read what I've you know written and, and things like that. So they know. Um, they definitely and 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 most of the uh, most of the people that we hang around with, yeah, they, their kids play multiple sports. Um, you know, the only the only the only uh, sort of I think the one sport that little people some people are sort of hesitant to play right now is football with yeah. the concussion thing. You know what I mean? But that's understandable. I get it as a parent. I understand. Um, but at the same time, but that, you know, a lot of people that I I'm around their kids and, and them played multiple sports growing up. Right. For sure. So coming pe- people come to my facility who are not like you know my circle of friends, I guess that's a different story. I got plenty of kids that just concentrate on one sport. So, um, you know, I can't change their, everyone's mind, but yeah. I can sort of try to give them a more athletic foundation through what I do at the gym. You stick bumper stickers on their car during their session <laughs> <laughs> with some propaganda. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we do all that stuff, send emails and, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, uh, it's great. What, one of the things I, I did want to get to was, you know, we've been talking about it, but like unstructured play. And I know we've talked about it on other podcasts. And I think, you know, it's obvious, obviously it's something that people need to do, but I think it might be helpful to unpack some of why unstructured play is good. Like, what are some of the reasons, the different reasons to not have a structure, to let kids play without, you know, uh, organization or people telling you know, them rules or anything like that? Uh, what are some of the benefits to that? I, I, just because I think the more that's known about that, I think the more it is easier for some people to really get into that rather than putting their kid in a sport or feeling that they have to be doing something. Yeah. I mean, I just think it makes them so much more creative because they all come up with their own rules. They come up with their own rules and their, their own ways to do things. And then based off of that, they come up with their own ways to move. You know what I mean? And they come up with their own kind of solutions to whatever the problem the game presents. Do you know what I mean? So, and there's no one there, there's no one there saying to them, no, you're doing it wrong. They're just trying stuff out. They're just, you know what I mean? So it's like any move they do is not, it's neither not right or wrong. It's sort of their interpretation of how they see the game. And the more they do it, the more that kind of movement or solution that they come up with gets better or worse or changes. So there's no like, there's no one there to tell them all oh, like you're not doing this right. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, you know, kids figure things out. They figure out how to do things, and so they get better at whatever they're doing. You know, so I love unstructured play because there's just no, there's no adult really coming down on the kids. So the kids have no like, oh, I need to do this right. I need to do this. I need to do it this way. They just do it whatever way they want, and then they oftentimes they will come up with ways to multiple ways to do different things, especially like if you ever see like, this is so simple, but one night I was, you know, we were at a little league game and my youngest son, who's kind of, you probably see some of the video as I post, he's a, he's a lunatic. 
I mean, he's he's the youngest of four kids, and so he he's got like just spatial skills and things like that just are not like the other three. You know what I mean? Because he's he exposes himself to so much because he's always doing stuff with kids that are older or being at my gym. So he's always in that environment where he's always like testing himself. Damn. But you know, there's a big rock that was like at the little league field and you know, there was like five kids and they're jumping off and everyone's like, look at me. And they jump off and land, they jump off and land. And then literally 30 seconds, it's jump off and do a 180. You know what I mean? Then it's like, we'll jump off and do a 360. Then it was like, jump off, do a 360. And like, they would fall and like roll on their butt. Like they literally, self-progressed them you know they self-progressed they figured out like oh i can land this to jump off a rock now i'm gonna make it even harder for myself you know like that's that's what i'm talking about there's no one there to say hey jumping off that rock's dangerous there's no one there saying you need to stick to landing with your arms back and, and right. your yeah, hips back down. and <laughs> right. all, all that right they're right. just landing whatever way they want and sometimes they don't land they fall and they awesome. realize ah oh, well if i probably kind of in their back of their brain be like, oh, if I landed this way, I wouldn't have fell over. And the next time they do it, they don't fall. You know what I mean? That's unstructured play. But and and it so they they come up with creative ways to move. They come up with creative ways to to solve a problem. And if you do it enough, like over the, your childhood, you become a freaking goddamn good mover. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can take that into any sport you want. That's it. Any sport that's why I always say like when, when you get a group of kids and if you don't say anything and there's open space, they're going to do two things. They're going to start wrestling or start playing tag. They always do. Kids play tag. It's like the most natural thing in the world. And you want to talk about, you know, uh, vision and, and perception and action. That's it right, right there. Like that's that game of tag is everything that you could ever need in a, like a high speed, you know, field or court sport. So, and it, the more you're exposed to those things, the better you're going to be at those type of, uh, those type of movements and those type of environments. So I, lo- I love that you, yeah, I, what are you going to say? Oh, I, I, just, I love the, the part about not attaching judgment to the movement. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that that's been something I've been thinking about a lot lately, like recent Instagram posts I've done and maybe even video blogs, like showing up just the, uh, and that's even something I'm just trying to do in my own training is like just find ways to do it where there isn't a judgment attached, attached, not a right or wrong. It was like the Timothy Galway, the inner game of tennis talking about even when he was working with a group of like basically country club wives <laughs> and, and he just said he didn't give him instructions, just said, think, think about what your feet are doing. Feel just have an awareness of your feet as I you know hit you this forehead runner. And they, so they sure. weren't really focusing overly, but they hit all good shots. And then as soon as he said, oh, good job, you didn't hit any into the net, even that you didn't hit any into the net was a judgment for them, for where they were at. And then they, after they hit eight into the net, you know, like, and it just, it, it, I think it, what we say and how we coach people or taking time to not coach people matters a lot more than we ever could think, especially with young kids. Yep. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. So. I just, I just love, I just love that idea. I even, I got in an argument with the college basketball when I was a strength and strength and conditioning coach in college with basketball. They were trying to tell me like when the guys they don't want their guys to play pickup because they pick up lazy tendencies when they play pickup. And I'm like, no, they play pickup. They seem like they're a little bit lazier because there's not a coach screaming at them <laughs> to move at full speed, like like it's the NCAA finals. 
right? They're just having fun and they're practicing probably probably practicing different ways to move and taking different shots they wouldn't normally take. And so yes. to the coach, it may look like they're being lazy, but really they're exploring their movement skill set. Yes, you know what absolutely. I mean? They're they're and they're in, and most importantly, they're playing pickup because they're they enjoy it and they get you know it feels good for them and there's nobody sitting there screaming at them and if they don't like score or do the thing that they want uh they're going to get benched or have to run you know uh run the bleachers or something like that mm-hmm. right like that's w- really what's going on there and so for me I'm like pickups the greatest pickups awesome for for anybody you know oh, for yeah. college basketball player or not you, you just because there's no one there to tell you you're doing it right or wrong you're just going there out there having fun trying different things do you remember that game chicago i don't know if it's or they call it tips i think it's called but like we used to play it with when it wasn't like you couldn't have if you didn't have even number of kids like if you had like three kids not or or five kids you know instead of having a two on three or a one on two like everyone played a game where like you just sort of like free for all if you scored, you got like five points and then you got to shoot from the free throw line. If you missed, like someone else got the ball. So it was like this game where it was like 1v1v1. One one one. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? Hell yeah. We call it 21. Yeah, 21 with tips. Yeah. It was yeah. with tips or without with tips. With tips or without. Because <laughs> if you got tipped in, you like went back to <laughs> yeah. whatever. Totally. We call, it, we call it Chicago, like here. You know what I mean? But Hell it was yeah. like, that was for me, like the most, the greatest expression of for basketball because you can, like, there was just an opportunity to kind of do so many different things that you don't normally do. Right. You know what I mean? So I used to love that game. We would play that for, for hours just because if you didn't have enough players, like here's a game that you could play and uh, sort of like keep score. But at the same time, it's like do whatever. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It, and that too, like going back to my college, my like the college players, like even though they're they're sort of, you know, adults considered adults, it's the pickup game is fun for them. It's engaging yeah. for them. That's their play. That's their play. You know what I mean? So, yep. It, it, that's why play is not just a child's thing. It's, you know, right on through life. Huge. Yep. Yep. So, and, and I, and I, I can't, I can't, uh, reiterate more how important, like if you're looking to develop sort of that, uh, that ability to re- recognize and, and have a, like a wide movement skill. It, it only happens when you're allowed to, to be able to expand your, your skill set or your horizons by trying different things out. And the only way that happens is there's no coach there telling you what's right or wrong. <clears throat> yeah, that's awesome stuff. Hey, I know Jeremy, I know it's getting late there. Um, I wanted to cover one more question quickly. And, and uh, when Tommy and I were kind of going over the questions here a few minutes ago, he had written this down and you touched on a little bit with like talking about the, the kids at baseball and making sure they get enough throws in. But like if a child misses an ideal uh, window of development, you know, in that zero to two or zero to 13, whatever window that is that they miss early, um, is it possible to make that up later? And, and, and how might you approach that if that's the case in view of general and specific skills? Hmm. So I think you and I talked about this too, because you had wrote an article about like some of the, like if you had a kid coming in and just like foundationally, it was like, you know, bar hang, isometric lunge i was thinking there was a couple other ones you mentioned um you know like that really got me thinking because like where would i start a kid you know um i think the younger if a kid's like kind of pre-adolescent um and he sort of came in and and i noticed that he 
maybe hasn't had much exposure to moving around. You know, I would start them more with like sort of gymnastics, rolling on the ground and crawling and try to do that type of stuff. Whereas like if he was a little bit older, I would maybe that stuff would be secondary and I would do more of the stuff that you would do. Like if it was like you step it to be like a, a early adolescent into teenager, I would kind of look at that stuff more and like kind of structurally trying to build them up into the right positions um, with the idea that if we could sort of get them their body to move the right way when they do attempt the sport, the new sport that they're trying to get better at, say they started baseball late or a sport late, you know, if their body's kind of right and things are working the way they should, will they, will they be more efficient and will they become a better, uh, will their sports specific skills be better, so to speak. So I think kind of that's where I'm at. I don't know if you can totally, if a kid can pick up baseball at 16 without having to take miss that whole time period of like thousands of swings from seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I don't know. Or, or basketball, you know, how think how many shots you take when you're a youth basketball player. Um, I think those type of sports where there's like a lot of skill involved, I think maybe it'd be hard to pick up a sport later on. Whereas like say football, let's just say you're a big, strong dude. That's fast and athletic. You might be able to go on the field and play because, you know, if you give a kid a job to do like run down and run down a running back and the kid's fast and athletic, I think he could probably do it. You know what I mean? If he's got good awareness to where he is on the field and spacing and can understand that type of stuff. I don't know. I've seen kids, pick up football and have not ever played before. Um, and they were just good athletes. Yeah. It seems so, like the hand eye coordination, the real fine, like throwing fine skills are the ones that you are hard. Like I know not dribbling a basketball the whole lot between before age 10 and 11 killed me when I was playing in high school and I could shoot and I could be athletic and run play defense, but uh, I'm missing that thing. out really hurt the left hand. Like I just didn't dribble enough. I, you know, when I, I was a kid, I was so good dribbling with my right because I was so much faster than everyone that I just never bothered dribbling with my left. And then, <laughs> you know, it, and it, 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 it becomes, it, it really holds you back when you get to a higher level. You know what I mean? Tommy, you have For any sure. take on that? Yeah, I think like, uh, Jer, how important, like, I guess for either parents, new parents, how important is it to allow your kids... <laughs> to be saturated with movement from zero to 13. Like, like how, how important is this? There's not, I don't know. I think it's probably the most, I would, (sighs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) I mean, parents will freak out if I said this, but like, say it, I guess I'll even cut it. I'll cut it short. No. From, (laughs) from like zero to like eight nine it's more important than like anything you could ever do in school how about that it's more important than learning how to add and subtract and know what your letters are how about that right because the thing if 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 you're saturated in movement and like you're super well-rounded it's like you have good movement skill you're gonna learn how to read and write way easier anyways boom you know what i mean because you can sit there and listen to the teacher talk because you have all the appropriate functions kind of working you know what I mean? So, I mean, you got kids that fall out of their chairs now just yep. sitting there because they have I saw that. <laughs> Dude. No vestibular awareness. You know, in that article, I knew that from before. I heard a story about that in another book that I read years ago. And I remember, so when I saw that article, I was like, holy shit, like that, that book I read wasn't kidding. 
like kids fall out of their seats right. because they have no vestibular awareness. I was like blown away. And then I went back and dove into the book. And then this book that I have is freaking awesome. And I didn't even sat on my shelf collecting dust for years. And I went back into it and like, there's so much awesome information on, um, you know, primitive reflexes and totally. And, and, and uh, you know, just like the vestibular system and tactile and all these different exercises you can do for it. I'll send you guys a picture of it so you yeah, can please. see it. Yeah, uh, we'll put it in the we can put really, it in the show notes. Maybe that'd be yeah. cool. Yeah, so it's like, um, yeah, it, I, it's it's everything. It is everything. It's okay, like good. It's it's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You're going to be have to move. That's it. And so if you have that foundation in place, there's always going to be some type of limitation. Love it. Love it. The magic yep. of movement, Come man. man. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of movement. Um, yep. Cool. Well, hey, Jeremy, thanks for staying up late with us, man. I really appreciate it. It's always awesome talking to you. And you're doing awesome sure work, too. So keep it up. I'm, I'm glad we got to see you today. Yeah, yeah I appreciate, appreciate it, Coach. It. Thanks for having me on. This was awesome. And, Definitely. You know, it's Dude, obviously- you, you got to get some fun. rest, man. You got you to gotta plan schemes and uh, go to Tech Mobile. Play some Tech Mobile tonight and see the pass and runs. <laughs> Tech Mobile. Two runs, two passes. <laughs> Tecmo Bo, give it to him. He'll score every time. Doesn't even matter if you guess the right That's play. That's it. LA Raiders are illegal. <laughs> I love it. All right, you guys have a good night. Got it, Jared. Thanks a lot, man. All right, take care. See you later. That does it for episode 165. I'm signing off for the day. Appreciate you guys tuning in, listening. And man, was that an awesome show to record. Not just good for athletic performance, uh, but just sports culture as a whole. Our experience of sport and long-term development and the joy and creativity and everything that comes with moving the human body. That was an awesome show. Just hats off to Jeremy and Tommy, two legends in the field. And it was an honor to sit down and record with them. Okay, uh, one thing I forgot to mention in the pre-roll is that I am going to be on, or I was, we already recorded it, but uh, on the Dr. Tommy John show. So those of you familiar with Dr. Tommy John's social media, particularly his Facebook page, he will be releasing his episode with me on the Dr. Tommy John show on Facebook Live on September, Wednesday, Wednesday, September 4th. So I had a wonderful talk, a wonderful experience being a guest on that show, and I think you guys will really like it. So tune in there. Um Last two things, if you enjoyed this show, enjoy what we're doing, the mission of this podcast, uh, you can support us by leaving us a rating or review on iTunes. Would be stoked about that. Again, it's my goal to get 200 ratings by the end of the year, the end of the calendar year this decade. And uh, so if you like what we're doing, uh, stop on by and leave a rating there. Okay, last but not least, our sponsor is simplyfaster.com. They are rock stars in the sports tech space, so make sure you check out their shop, see what they have to offer, uh, whether it's timing systems, force plates, contact grids, they have it all. So make sure you check them out. Great blog as well. All right, that does it. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.